Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast, live from Augusta on the Ringer Podcast Network, is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Dad, did you use ZipRecruiter when you were the superintendent of schools in East of Massachusetts? Uh, you did. They didn't have it yet. They didn't have it yet. Yeah, you would have, though. I you would have tried to find it. some teachers on there. It would have really helped. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within a day. They are the best at distributing your job to the best boards, identifying the right people, and inviting them to apply. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Meanwhile, two podcasts to subscribe to. Shack House, presented by Callaway. Joe House, Jeff Shackelford, they gave all their master's picks on Monday. I am going on that podcast uh, tomorrow on Thursday, day one, master's, to talk about that and some other stuff. Then we will be rerunning that part on this podcast uh, on Friday morning. And also, I should mention... I went to Callaway. I went to get fitted in clubs in Cal- but in Callaway, Dad, near San Diego. Got you're, got these clubs. I'm coming back. You're yeah, coming you back? laugh. I'm coming back. You won't play with me anymore after I broke my five iron that time. You're not a really fun person to play with. Well, I'm sorry. Um, I think I'm older. I'm a little wiser. I'm a little more mature. Uh, now you don't believe that. Uh, well, anyway, we went to Callaway. Got fitted for clubs. Got these new set of Rogue Woods that were pretty cool. And uh, and went on Callaway Live with Harry. That is on Callaway. If you go to at Callaway Golf, you can see the interview I did. We talked for like a half hour. Talked about um, how I got started, Andre the Giant, what we're trying to do at the Ringer, a lot of different stuff. It was cool. Uh, about a half hour interview with me. Check that out on at Callaway Golf. And uh, and also we should mention Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Joe House and I went on there yesterday and. Um, talked about our favorite master's bets, which we'll, we'll do whenever House gets out of the shower. House takes like half hour showers, as you're about to find out. House has been in the shower already for 20 minutes. I'm just more, we're, we're sharing a bathroom. That's what I'm more But you're sharing about. a bathroom? Yeah. Oh man, that's like sharing a bathroom with a water buffalo. Um, but we have, uh, we're on Against All Odds with Sal. We talked about our favorite master picks and also how uh, my agent, James Babydoll Dixon, uh, offered no help whatsoever in Augusta this week. We told that whole story. Very enjoyable. You'll check that out. Uh, you you will, if you check that out on the Against All Odds podcast, you'll enjoy it. Coming up, we have Jeff Goldblum, an interview I did last week, who who's really, really fun to interview. Uh, it That's coming up later in this podcast. Right now, we're live from Augusta. We're going to talk masters and uh, basketball and a couple other things. But first, Pearl Jam. All right, my dad is here. Nephew Kyle just woke up. We usually, Kyle, we just get to sleep till like noon today. We have to go to the Masters. To yell to wake him, I said, "All right, all right." Um, where do we start, Dad? I, I'm it's, hoping uh, Kyle isn't wearing that outfit to the mask. Yeah, hopefully he'll change. Um, so your bucket list. We had on your bucket list was a Red Sox World Series number one, a Patriots Super Bowl number two, a Bruins Stanley Cup number three, and then seeing one more Celtics title. Post Bird, yep. number four. All of those things happened, not in that order. The Bruins Stanley Cup, after the first three happened, the Bruins Stanley Cup, we just assumed that was never going to happen. Then somehow that happened. Somehow that happened. And now your bucket list is basically 
my daughter playing for the World Cup team, my son pitching Major League Baseball, um, the Celtics winning one more title somehow, and then going to Augusta. So we're crossing this one off. You'd never been to Augusta. Why'd you want to go to Augusta so badly? You know, every year you and I talk on the phone or text each other during the Masters. It it just looks like the most beautiful venue that you could ever imagine for a golf tournament. And uh, yesterday after we took a tour with Jeff Shackelford, I can't believe how much more beautiful. Yeah. Um, unbelievably beautiful. But I will say... It's 10, 20, 30 times more difficult each hole when you see them in person than you see them on TV. What did you think looked like the most difficult hole in person? Um, I thought 13 really looked difficult. It's a par five? Yeah, the par five. Sometimes on TV it looks like if they get it just in the front of the green that it's not going to roll off. But yeah. when you see it in person, uh, there's no way it doesn't go. I don't know what, maybe they're cutting it differently. So that's the hole where you hit the long enough drive and you can try to drive the green in two over the water. Exactly. But sometimes either you hit it in the water or you hit it a little short in the green and it'll just roll back and go in the water. Right. Although when we took a close look yesterday, and it was really fun because we got there late in the day and it wasn't that crowded, there are sandy spots uh, in the water or the side of the water where you could see the ball rolling down and maybe you would still have a shot. Yeah. And we saw a couple of players, including Kucher, looking at where those sandy spots were. I mean, when they do their practice round, I mean, they're out there carefully looking at spots to land the ball or yeah. spots where maybe they won't get in as much trouble if the ball does land there. What was the best looking uh, hole? 12? Oh, by far, 12. 12 in person is a thousand times more beautiful than you think when you see it on TV. Is there a reason? Well, just the flowers? The the flowers, the background and and I guess not I guess Shackelford was saying some years the flowers are not quite in bloom yeah. or they've had a lot of rain and they're started and hot sun and it's started to fade. I guess this is perfect right now. Yeah. And uh, the background on 12 and just the, the vista of hitting into that green, uh, it was just gorgeous. Uh, yeah, I made you buy new sneakers. Fortunately, you made me buy new sneakers. They're very comfortable. I don't know that I would have survived without them yesterday. Yeah, you, you last like 20 years or so, you've just been brown loafers no matter what the situation is. And I was like, you have to actually wear sneakers at, at Augusta or else well, the we're nice, in major the, trouble. The other nice thing about walking Augusta, I, I mean, it. The grass is perfect. So you're walking almost on foam rubber and sneakers really helped. But it was, it, I will say though, I didn't expect it to be so hilly. Yeah. Um, I mean, we took a lot of breaks. Take, We weren't taking pictures because you can't have your cell phone out there, but just taking breaks and taking a look at each course carefully. Um, but it's really hilly. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I could see you maybe... S Hanging back. I don't know what we're doing. We're going today for the part three. Then tomorrow we're going for day one. Right. Today we have uh, the Breckman's passes. That Which, this we, we don't even totally understand what what it is, but it's by all accounts pretty great. And today we may or may not get some rain. 
Make it a little rain. So whatever those Breckman passes entitle us to do. We might, might just leave you there. I wonder <laughs> if you could sleep there. Maybe <laughs> might just leave you. Might never see you again. Where on, where on your bucket list top ten was Tiger making a Sunday Masters run? I don't know if it was on my bucket list, but there's there's no doubt that coming here for the first and probably only time to uh, have to have Tiger make his return. Yeah, we didn't expect this because we did. We planned no. this trip a while ago, and and we didn't know. The, the Tiger Renaissance was in motion. It's also amazing. I know, you know, he's a controversial figure, obviously, but to a person, everybody's talking about Tiger here, you know, that, and, and the crowd. I don't know if he's controversial anymore. I think people just want him to be good at golf again. I think everybody has forgiven the past. I want him to be good at golf yeah. again. Because people miss Tiger. Guess what? Golf wasn't as much fun without Tiger. It wasn't. It just wasn't. Yeah. And yeah. you saw at those last couple tournaments when he was in the mix at the end and everybody was like, how's Tiger? How's Tiger doing? What's he doing? And there's just nobody else like that. Jordan Spieth is never going to be like that. And Sorry. I have to admit, that, like the Houston Open last week, Yeah, I had many things to do last weekend. Somehow I found myself, it wasn't the Houston Open, the weekend before that, um, in the tournament that he was in contention. Yeah, I had many other things to do and I found myself watching TV to see how Tiger was doing. What do you mean you have many other things to do? You're retired. <laughs> what are you talking about? I have errands. Your dog like, walks? My, <laughs> walking the dogs? My dogs like to go on walks. So I have errands. <laughs> you yeah. can sound like you're like a CEO of a company or something. <laughs> I've retired people, for eight years. I, I have people I consult with and <laughs> give advice to. And you move your car from one I, side of the street to the other with those <laughs> parking rules? Are you giving me shit? <laughs> Speaking of giving you shit, uh, you had this stealth Twitter account I d- that um, that just opened about 20 minutes ago. Well, you had it. You used it to follow a couple of people just for basketball stuff. And I convinced you as part of uh, your master's being master's at 70 bucket list experience that you had to really get this Twitter account going. So we, we, well, I'm not sure I put you a little tweet me. about it. You, you well, took, I just kind of took, took my phone over. and yeah, suddenly I I'm took involved. It but house agreed. We voted that you have to start tweeting more. Um, the account is at, is at Dr. Bill 1947. So DR Bill 1947, if you want to follow my dad. And you, your first tweet was about the Brandon Cooks trade. It was. Which you liked because you want them to take Lamar Jackson at 23. You're I love fired Lam- up for Lamar Jackson. I, I love Lamar Jackson. You like Lamar. Yeah. His stock's dropping because he hired his mom as an agent, which has freaked some teams out, which I, I think is ridiculous. I see that. Yeah, please. My gut tells me the Patriots will play it safe and take an offensive tackle. But yeah, they're going to get us excited for Lamar I mean, and take I, a guard. Yeah, really. And <laughs> and you and I, every year in the draft, oh, you know, it's so unsatisfying. We, ha- we have our lists, or at least I'll talk. I have my lists and players I know they're going to take or should take or will take. And They've only had two fun drafts that I liked. One was when they took the two tight ends, Gronk and future double murderer Aaron Hernandez. But at the time, we didn't know he was going to kill anyone. <laughs> he seemed like a nice guy. <laughs> he seemed like a nice guy. We were excited for him. <laughs> yeah, that was exciting. That was really and then exciting. And then the one time ever they traded up and they got Chandler Jones Remember that draft? Yeah, and they and they took the. You uh, were line. so happy they traded up. I've never heard you more happy about something as random as a team trading up eight draft picks or whatever it was. Well, they took the linebacker too, um, Jamie Collins. Yeah. 
So no. Oh no, Hightower. Hightower. Yeah, they took yeah. Chandler Jones and Hightower. Yeah. You were just over the moon. B- because we always do the opposite. Normally, we you say it, you have your draft board, which I don't even know how you make it because you barely watch college football other than the big no, games. I, you know, I'm retired, so I can have a little You study. <laughs> you don't know as much about the college football draft as the NHL draft, which well, you hop in on. I study once we get into April and yeah. March and April, yeah. So- Every year, you're waiting like four hours for us to pick because we're always near the end of and the first I, and round. I see the guys that are available. Yeah, you get ready and you, you get your heart set on these two guys and that you've barely ever down. seen. Yeah, and then we trade down <laughs> six spots. Yeah. And then we trade down another seven. <laughs> and we take guys we never heard of. This year, we have 23 and 31. You and I, we liked Cooks, but we're also not shedding any tears. I liked him more in the first half of the year. And he then, had that uh, that Miami game when they played the second time they played at Miami, and this cornerback I'd never heard of on Miami. It was we had all these receivers out, and they needed cooks to do stuff, and that cornerback completely swallowed him up and took him out of the game in a way that was dramatic. Right. And I think all of us kind of looked at each other and went, "Wow, is is Brandon Cooks good? What's going on here? Because well, he could two- basically run the bomb pattern, and right. he could run the fifteen yard stop uh, sprint and stop and turn." But he didn't get anything over the middle. And like on third and four, third and five, it didn't seem like he could get open. He wasn't a Brady type of receiver. Yeah, there were two things that really disturbed me about how he played. He never fought for the ball. Unless he was behind the defender and Brady. Brady underthrew it. Yeah. yeah, He never fought for the ball. and, and And the second thing is what you just said. You'd never see the guy go over the middle, you know, the way. Amendola would. I don't. It's. I don't even think like he was unafraid to do it. I. I just. He didn't have that skill of like. Oh, the defense is doing this. I'm gonna look at Tom. We know what each other is gonna do right. instead of doing what he thought I was gonna do. I'm gonna cut in, and he just didn't know how to do it. I thought Brady the first half of the year did everything he could to build up his confidence. And, yeah, and to say that you know Cook and Cooks and I were really have. But I. What do you I, call him, Cookie? Yeah, yeah. Brady I, called him Cookie. I'm like, not sure. I'm not sure Brady was doing more of that to try to motivate Cookie, and it never worked out. And he disappeared in the playoffs. The well, no, in the in the in the Jacksonville game, he had he got he got open in that game. Well, in the first half, anyway, he had like six catches, I think. But he, I'm not sure they were difficult. The catches, Super Bowl, though. he really hurt us. Lombardi talked about it yesterday on Twitter. The the reverse where he tried to just jump over the guy instead of just beating him to the corner, which instead of getting a touchdown, we ended up getting three points. That was a big four points. Right. And he, or he certainly would have gotten the first down. And then you said, I mean, you, you won't say this on the podcast, but you blamed him for getting a concussion. You just didn't think he was tough enough. No, you didn't say that. I'm <laughs> I kidding. Didn't, I didn't say no, that. But it, it did, it did suck that he got hurt in the Super Bowl, And uh, even though we would have lost anyway, I do like to tell Philly fans of my life that we would have won the Super Bowl if Cooks didn't get a concussion. I didn't really believe it. It's just my way of trying to hurt them. Uh, you just reminded me of something yesterday. Uh-oh. House and I were walking around the course. No, I think it was uh, Kyle and I. Kyle wanted to get a sandwich. I think it was his fourth sandwich of the day. <laughs> and and we saw a guy right in front of us. He had a Philadelphia uh, Super Bowl hat on. Yeah. It really disturbed me. Yeah. It really disturbed me. Well, now me. you can, Philly fans can go on Twitter and tweet in your replies about 41 to 33, because oh, that's they, what they did to me. They never deserved that victory. I, I, no, they beat us. That was oh. I, that was the first Super Bowl I feel like we lost. 
Those two giant ones bothered me to my grave that we blew those games and gave those games away. The the Philly one, I feel like we just couldn't stop them ever. You you must have a lot of Philly fans following you on Twitter and... We never stopped them. They did whatever they wanted on offense. We never got to stop ever. They had the ball for nine minutes in the fourth quarter. All well, we had to do was get the ball back. We couldn't this, even do that. Is is this another discussion about maybe Butler would have helped? At least he could have tackled somebody. Yeah, that the weird one of the weirdest whole thing was weird. Whole thing was weird. My buddy Hench thinks that Belichick. He my buddy Hench has this hot take conspiracy theory that that Kraft did tell Belichick to trade Jimmy because Brady told him. And that Belichick's revenge now is to basically rebuild around, to keep trading, to have this young team, no left tackle, this work in progress building team just to F Brady back. This so, team that can't win the Super Bowl next year, but is built for three years from now when he's not on the team anymore. So you, you, I don't believe this conspiracy theory, well, but I, I enjoyed it. It could be. So to rebuild around Lamar Jackson, I like it. I can see it happening. So the red flags for Lamar Jackson, who this happens every year. There's some quarterback that everybody picks apart and it's stupid. And then they come into the league and they're good. And it happened last year with Deshaun Watson, who right. somehow right. dropped to like the 11th or 12th pick. And, and it was and idiotic. similarities between the two of them. Yeah. It was like, oh, well, he's athletic, but who knows? And then they just pick it apart. And there's just a tinge of... Racism. Every time this, it always seems to be a black quarterback for some reason. We're like, oh, he might be a receiver. I don't know. It's like, Lamar Jackson was awesome in college. Why does he have to move to receiver? Right. Because he's skinny. Like, he's 21 years old. His body's not going to fill out. Like, Kevin Durant was skinny. Um, I I think he's the kind of quarterback of the future, actually. And it's just unbelievable to me. They try to talk themselves into these other dudes. Right. It's like Josh Allen. Oh, he's got all the tools. Okay, we see we those guys. Like we've seen Josh Allen every year. We see those guys come in the year, the league every year. Um, it's just so funny. They make the same foot, mistakes every year. Six foot four and a half, big arm, and not enough upstairs to call a game. To yeah, lead who a knows? Champion. The only question with him is what he what is he going to be like in a big game? It's like right. okay, that seems like a big question. It's like that dude on Villanova, Bridges. The three and D wingman guy who was awesome, but he's not going to go in the top five of the draft. And I'm positive he's going to be good. He'll right. go like ninth, and he'll end up being one of the three best players in the draft. Everybody'll be like, "Whoa, Bridges should have gone higher." It's like no kidding. Right. I'm telling you right now, he should go higher. Well, I just saw a mock gra- uh, draft yesterday, NBA mock draft. Of course, it's tough to do that given that there's so much play at the bottom. Yeah, there's too many teams. But the, it had the uh, Cavaliers taking Bridges. That'd be a great pick for them. I wasn't happy to see that. Yeah. I'm hoping they take somebody who needs a little more work. Yeah. We had, uh, for about six weeks there, we had that Lakers pick that brought us so much joy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm still in the, they're going to get lucky and they'd have to get really lucky at this point. And we're going to get the second or third pick. We need to get super duper lucky with that. Uh, (laughs) It's like a 2% chance. Don't you think we're owed? I think, I think it's, not an accident that the Lakers have always kept these picks that they could lose if they, you know. So you're they, saying, now you're saying Adam Silver has something to do with? No, I'm just oh, saying okay. it's just kind of funny. The Lakers okay. never seem to get boned over with any of this stuff. They always get their picks. They always get in the top three. It's a pretty big market. Pretty big market. <laughs> uh, but it looks like that pick's rolling over to the Sacramento Kings next year and it's top one protected 
and uh, and we get to root against the Kings all next year, which I feel really good about because that's I a love, train wreck of a franchise. You and I love rooting against. The oh, team we love too. having the team, the, the <laughs> team, the anti team. Yeah, basically, we're probably the, and plus it's a West Coast team, which means I'm up at one in the morning seeing how Sacramento does. All, all of next year. There's no guy that they can really pick that's going to swing them. them in one season. No. It's all guys that might be really, really good. This guy, Doncic, in uh, in Europe is one of the best players I've ever watched on YouTube. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's 18. Of course I'm familiar He's with him. He's playing in the... Well, I mean, I don't know I, if you're I, familiar I with his game. I have a little game. time on my hand. I've, no, I I've watched him on YouTube. They, he's like... He's in the EuroLeague... Mm playing basically for the best team or one of the best two teams and they're running crunch time plays for him and he's making like game winning shots. And he really looks a little like, kind of say like a little birdish. I'm he's, just, a, he's a point guard, but he's got this nice fluid game and he just knows what to do, man. I, is I he agree that the thing is, as a rookie coming in, I'm not sure how many more wins he gives Sacramento. No, I, well, plus yeah. he's, he's so young, yeah. but I think, so, like, if Sacramento won the lottery, they would take him. He's not going to swing them by 20 wins next year. No. So, um, We should also mention, since you're here, you're out of your mind about this new guy in the Bruins. You love nothing more than when the Bruins have a good team and then they get some random guy from college who's not random to he's anyone who random. college hockey. Last year, I was really excited about No, I know. About, he's one of the best guys. About McAvoy. And this year, really excited about Donato. But Donato was a bigger prospect than McAvoy. Um, it, well, in the Boston area, I'd say that Donato ha- went to the Olympics and got a lot of fanfare because he's he like did the leading so well. scorer in the Olympics. Yeah, wasn't I'm he? saying he, he had so, but McAvoy didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, but they're both again. You have McAvoy coming out of Boston University. You have Donato coming out of Harvard. Pretty exciting. You have two local kids. You have Donato, whose father played for the Bruins. Thirty year anniversary of the Janie Joyce team. That was fun. Remember when they came up? Yep. We that, made it to the finals and then the Oilers yeah. killed us. I, I, people are very excited about this Bruins team. The problem is that the obviously we're getting injuries. Um, Carlo's out for the year, broken leg. Yeah. That's going to hurt them. They have a couple of other guys with Knicks. They had a bad loss last night against uh, Tampa Bay. But you're optimistic. I'm optimistic. You, uh, you like this Bruins team. I do like Good this. Good goalie. Uh, he's... One punch charge, just signed for another year. I'm good with that. Uh, I like this team a lot, and I, I think if if the chips fall correctly, we could see them in the finals. And the Celtics, it's just been the year from hell, and yet somehow we might make round two or round three. Well, I mean, every, every day you turn around and— Yesterday I mean, they started a guy at point guard that I had to look up. I know you. And asked. I was like, oh, I was like, Kadeem Allen. Oh, that, and you had to remind me that was the guy we took with like the fifty eighth pick. I, I think he was like the fifty sixth pick, and he's our fifth string point guard. Started last night. Yeah, I don't think he. I guess the little I heard was that he didn't play that well. One of the most lovable Celtics teams we've had. Very much so. Uh, Reminds me of the ninety two team. Yeah, and the ninety three team. Those last two Reggie Lewis years, like just the the some of the parts. The whole exceeds the sum of the parts. There's so many unknowns, though. Uh, is Irving actually going to come back? Will, will, I, if he comes back, will it be round two? If we're in round two, who do you want to Sm- play, Milwaukee or Miami? Well, we talked about it earlier. I, I think I'd rather play Miami. Um, I'd rather play Milwaukee. Yeah, I just think they're so poorly coached that it'll take care of itself. Miami has all these dudes that kill us. 
Milwaukee was killing us last night, so yeah, it's we hard to them. say. I'm not worried. I'm not as worried about Milwaukee. I'm worried no. about anybody, but uh, House is saying last night he thinks the Wizards can beat the Cavs. Well, I'm hoping and we the, saw Michael Wilbon at this uh, event we went to, this Wasserman dinner. Shout out to Casey Wasserman. And uh, and Wilbon thinks the Wizards, the one team they love to play, the team that they the most fired up for, the team that they think about when they fall asleep every night is this Cavaliers team. Like they genuinely feel like funny they can beat the Cavaliers. I, I was, I'm hoping the Wizards drop to seven because I'd love to play the Wizards in the first round. Oh, I would rather have the Wizards play the Cavs. Even if they don't beat the Cavs, at least they'll wear them out and win a couple games and get people excited. They're kind of built to compete with the Cavs, even, no, even a little better than we are. They have no bench. Uh, the only guy they can bring up is Oubre. And- Sat- no, Sadoransky has been pretty good. House is like cautiously lukewarm on Sadoransky. Yeah. Not as lukewarm, not as lukewarm on Mahimni, right, House? Oh, I'm I'm frozen. <laughs> he's House said he's frozen. He's <laughs> frozen on Mahimni. But uh, I gotta ask, maybe you could cover this on your new Twitter on your new Twitter account. Would you make a run at Kawhi this summer? Because I'm getting a lot of those emails lately. No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. I, I just if it was Jalen Brown and the Sacramento pick, you wouldn't trade that for Kawhi. No. I there's something going would on you, with that guy. I mean, how, how do you not come back? Would from, you trade Abdul Nader and a second <laughs> rounder for Kawhi? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, how do you? You know, even his teammates seem to be criticizing him. There's a quote from yeah, Parker the other day saying. Parker was saying that his own injury, Parker's injury, was much more severe than Leonard's, and he came back, and what's yeah, going on here? That tells you a lot, I thought. I don't think he's a guy I want on my team. Wow, you're freighting him off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm not making that trade. You don't have a lot of leeway with people. <laughs> you don't think Danny Ainge is listening? I think the Celtics would trade for Kawhi tomorrow. Yeah. I don't want to. I think, to me, Tatum is untouchable. Untouchable. The him hitting the rookie wall, I got a little worried. He had the bad hand. It lasted about two weeks. Ah, it was more than two well, weeks. Two and a half it, weeks. It, it, yeah, it was like six. <laughs> but um he got through it and the stuff he's been doing the last three weeks with, with Kyrie out has been really, really high level for somebody who's a freaking babies. Just turned twenty. Well, the other thing Which is, is crazy. They've been having him play the four, the three, the two, and the one. You're right. I mean, he and played guard, point. And by the way, guarding four positions yes, too. Yeah, he played point guard the other day and guarded the other point guard. Yeah, it's he's really uh, he's really something. I although I'm happy that Fultz is not going to be just a complete train wreck. There's there's signs of life with Fultz. Yeah, uh, um, I I, I would rather have Tatum and the pick obviously for yeah. twenty different reasons, but I didn't. We just need more good basketball players. It right. would have sucked if Fultz like, never figured like it out. He also seems like a nice kid. Yeah. Although, you know, if you look in the box scores, which I have a little more time to do than you, maybe you do, I don't, he's not attempting any three-point shots. No, and teams are playing five feet off him. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to play him in the playoffs, but athletically he belongs, and, and uh, he's been so good on that. He's getting a lot of assists. And yeah. No, and no three-point attempts. He's really attempts. fast. Yeah. The, the guy who's been blowing me away the last, like, and the Sixer fans who, the Philly fans are so sensitive. Oh, he's been good all season. He's gone up a level, uh, Ben Simmons. Yeah. They're, from a confidence standpoint, the way he runs that team now, he is, um, 
really kind of looks magic. Like sometimes I got to say, I, I, I would not say that in a casual flippant way. But he, you, you he and grabs I, these rebounds and he just goes. You down and I the loved court. him in college. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't understand why his team wasn't better. But right. it's clear that he just the better his teammates are, the better he's going to be. Athletically, he's so good. I love the fact that he doesn't. He knows what he can't do. He doesn't. Right. Is he's not like I'm a shitty shooter, but I'm going to shoot anyway. No, he's he doesn't like, force the outside gonna, jumper. I can, shoot, I can score from these three spots. Right. Otherwise, I'm going to just control the game. You know that that's a well te- coached team too. Yeah, I didn't um, always think that, but I yeah. the last last four or five weeks, it feels like yeah. he has a feel. But it helped because they got uh, Ilyasova and Bellinelli, who you and I really liked. I, I wish the Celtics had gotten Bellinelli. You know, both those guys, when you look in the box score, every night, yeah, they're hitting threes. They're coming off the bench. Bellinelli's done it. That dude's done it yeah. in the finals. That guy has a real bench scoring you, experience. You and I, we talked, I was mad we didn't get him. I was upset that Ainge didn't make a move for him also. I mean, we're missing that guy off the bench. I think the Celtics feel like they have no, they've never said this publicly, but just that it's just unrealistic for them to win four straight playoff rounds without Gordon Hayward. And why do anything when next year is the year they're looking at? And Hayward, who we'd always heard little floaters about him coming back in April, it's just not happening. And it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. Uh, You don't want to risk any re-injuring just to try to get to the third round. Amazing though, that 60 games combined basically for Hayward and Kyrie. Yeah. If I guess 61, if you count the five minutes Hayward played on opening night, but they're going to miss a hundred and four games combined. The two best, most expensive guys in the team and the team is still going to win 57 games. It is amazing, but it's not just those two guys. Uh, and then smart missed. Right. Tice. What? Tice, you Tice, liked. I liked a lot. I, in the beginning of the season, I said, because you hadn't watched him much. He was, when no, I was, that's not, first of all, not true. I well, did watch a lot, but you, you acted like I like you were the only one with cable. <laughs> well, I was at the games, too. I'm just so used to you telling me that you like a, a tall, awkward white guy in the Celtics. <laughs> I had to keep my guard up. I still remember when you were calling me raving about Steamsma. Steams was I don't think they, something. I don't think they gave him enough of a shot, but Steams was right. pretty good that one year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, too many injuries. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to write the year off, but maybe next year is our year. Well, you never know if yeah. the, if you can be Cleveland, Washington round one, and Washington can somehow beat Cleveland, and then we get to round two, and who knows? Well, who knows about injuries on other teams too? And Philly, even though Philly is ridiculously talented. Um, just a slew of guys who have never played in a playoff game. True. And it usually takes a year. Although we have some guys, I guess Jalen got some reps last year, but Tatum in the playoffs, Tatum gacked those two Warriors games, right. which were two of the biggest games of the year and was just deer in the headlights. So um, I have my guard up with him just because he's so young. I think with those young guys, they hit. there's certain games where they just kind of go, holy shit, I'm on... I'm on ABC and I'm but playing you, LeBron right now. You know, we could talk about each one of those guys. The bottom line is, if Irving isn't out there, yeah, you know, we're not we're not going to be moving on. Uh, we might move on to the second round, but I hope he's out there. Uh, it's an injury that maybe he can come back for the end of the first round. We're going to Augusta, so we have to wrap this up. I'm throwing it to uh, the Jeff Goldblum podcast, but we should mention once again your new Twitter account. 
<laughs> DR Bill, 1947. Excited for your Bruins takes. It'll be Bruins takes, Celtics takes, and NFL draft coming up. That Marshawn's next overtime goal, you'll be right there with a tweet. Red Sox should be 6-0. and They're 5-1. and one. Uh, Price is back. Do you want to apologize to David Price for all the terrible things you texted me about him last year? Do you have evidence of those texts? I do. They're on my phone. <laughs> I don't remember any of them. You really despised him. <laughs> and now not, you're back. Now, that, it's, now it's like it never happened. You know. Hey, Bogarts is back, by the way. Uh, he's, he's, so guess far. what? When you don't have a broken wrist, it's easier, easier to swing. You and Who I knew? talked in the year. Yeah, he was hurt all last year and killing my team and my fantasy team. Right. Every time a guy gets hit in the wrist. Yeah. You uh, hate wrist injuries. Oh. Uh, you hate feet for basketball, wrist for baseball. Well, I, I'm not, I'll show my age a little bit. Garcia Parra was never the same after he got hit in the wrist. I, he didn't get hit in the wrist. His wrist exploded. Well, he got hit in the wrist. You got hit by a pitch. Yeah, but it like it exploded in a way that was well, unusual. So that's what I'm saying. He was never the same. Yeah. Yeah. Probably put on a little too much muscle. <laughs> In retrospect. All right. Next time we uh, hear from my dad, it will be after we've actually been at Augusta. Oh, we forgot one more thing. The Brockton firefighter. Give him a shout out. You know, Parzi Alley uh, from Thorny Lee, the Brockton area. My friend, Steve, Stephen Hansen, Hansen, uh, big fan, always talking about him and his dad, telling me he's playing a practice round this morning at 1130 with Tiger. Uh, and he's in the third pairing tomorrow. So hope he makes the cut. So this kid from Brockton who didn't even start playing golf on a, on a conventional golf course and eventually did and worked his way up and is an amateur firefighter and miraculously well, did a all these things. Firefighter, amateur golfer. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, amateur golfer and firefighter. And uh, miraculously qualified. And qualified not just for this, but for the U.S. Open too, right? I'm really not sure, but yeah. So we're on this guy's bandwagon. This is one of the more violent bandwagon jumps I've seen from you. I'll be following him in the tomorrow in the first Maybe round. Maybe we should follow him tomorrow. Can you walk 18 holes? I, I walked a lot of holes yesterday. Maybe nephew Kyle might be able to carry you. We have to get <laughs> nephew Kyle a, a badge tomorrow. I did see some older guys like me. They were in these little carts. Maybe you have to show that you're partially paralyzed, but. <laughs> I don't know where you get those. All right. Whatever injury you can fake tomorrow to get a cart, we'll try to figure that out. Okay. Uh, Dad, thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you. Um, and since we're here, don't forget, Against All Odds, Mean House, we're on there um, this week giving Masters picks. We're going to be on Shack House tomorrow night. Be ready for that. And, uh, and that's it. Anyway, here's an interview that I did with Jeff Goldblum. We talked wide ranging interview. It really fun. I, I love when there's when when I'm not sure where the guest is going and he's his refusal to do a conventional interview. I loved it. It was great. It kept me on my toes the whole time. Um, somebody who's been in our lives for a long time. Jeff Goldblum. Here it is. Here we go. The I mayor see. of Hollywood, Jeff Goldblum. That's oh, why I Ed thought Begley you were Jr. introducing yourself. Or no, I thought you I was, were the I, mayor. I, I'm not even anything in Hollywood. You're the mayor, though. I'm Everyone nothing. says you're the mayor. No, I'm nothing. I'm there was not. a whole oral history in GQ once about how all, how you've resonated with all of these different pockets of the Hollywood community. Really? Yeah. Pockets? Oh, I don't act like you didn't read it. 
I read it. Those were very sweet. As a matter of fact, I'm a little late. I'm belated in getting back to all those people who they called. Yeah. And, um, and came up with something nice to say in many cases. It was uh, all about how you just connect with people left and right, no matter where you are. You can well, be look at an us airplane. Already. I've only been here two minutes, and don't you feel like we're... You, you taught me about lozenges. I've told you about my lozenges secret. <laughs> you apologize I, for being so uh, impeccably dressed because you were coming from another show because yes, you're in the that's, circuit. That's right. Meanwhile, I'm dressed like a bum, as always, in you're a sweatshirt. You're dressed fantastically. I'm just comfortable. Does I'm anybody know guy. that you have the hair of a young The, the, the hair of an Steve Italian? <laughs> young Steve McQueen. And the piercing blue eyes of uh, Peter O'Toole. <laughs> oh, thank and, uh, you. Uh, that's Lawrence way to put it up. That's yeah, really nice. You look, I had no thank idea. Thank you. Yeah, who you're knew? You were this camera ready. Who knew? Yeah. Well, I'm definitely not camera ready today. So you're, you're you're at the end of the circuit. We're catching you, but I don't think it matters because I think you're ready to go oh, at all no. times. I'm always, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in full flush of my gold bloom tendencies. But you know. have a small child. So you wake up every morning. I have two small children. So you're up in the mornings. Yes, I am. That's yes, the problem with having kids when you're older is they wake up super early, but it's not a problem because old people wake up super early. Like I'm getting, I'm 48. I get up all of a sudden I'm getting up at six now. Of course. We like to get up yeah. uh, early and we like to go to bed early. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the part I'm still struggling with. Really? Why? What do you like to do at night? Have another bowl of like cereal? I like to watch TV. Yeah. Watch I like TV. to power well, do you still watch movies. TV or do you still, or do you go on the YouTube and just watch sample so, this and that? I do both, but I really still like scrolling through the channels and being like, oh, that movie's on. Yeah, I know. I still I, get a kick out of it. Yeah. It's, it's, my, it's our generation though. I know. But hey, do you, how about Apple TV? That's really changed my life. The whole Netflix and Apple TV going, you can see every movie you can really seriously watch. It's almost like now. too many choices. Yes, that's it's kind true. of paralyzing. It's like when you go on an airplane sometimes and they have the movie library and there's like a hundred movies that I kind of want to watch again, yeah. but- I'm not that excited. I was I settle on my old standbys. One of which is the Big Chill, which is just like really? kind of like comfort watching. I know all the I know all Thank the scenes. You. You I like the characters. I feel like they're my friends. I, I die back into the would world. Be if you were that, you will. Well, you would be, of course, Tom Berenger, probably. Oh, stop it! He uh, was an actor. Or well, no, I'd have been more be, like you because you were a writer. Well, that, yeah. that was my background. Well, you could really. I mean, you're kind of a troublemaker in that movie, but. Yeah, I'm a bit of a, a scallywag. Well, wait a minute. You were a writer, of course. Yeah. Tell, tell me all, everything about that without. I, that's how I started everything. I was I was a sports columnist. Where, and where, then where, where are you from to, originally? I'm from Boston originally. I like how you flipped this podcast on me. No, I'm not flipping anything. Uh, no. Yeah, I'm but, from Boston originally. And then uh, I got hired by ESPN right a sports column. And that led to a whole bunch of other good things. That's so interesting. Yeah. Why? You were always interested in sports? You always just liked yeah. every sport? Love sports. That's so interesting. I'm you're, from, t- you're a tall guy, though. You never... I'm 6'4". I'm a little over 6'4". Never played hoops? I played everything on the street during you had to... You know, they had to call me in for dinner at the end of the day because I was out on the street playing basketball during basketball season, baseball during baseball season, football. I was in Little League. You know, I did all that. My uncle, my dad's brother named Chucky Goldblum yeah. was a big star for Westminster College, huh. a basketball star. He okay. was exactly my height. He kind of looked like me. And supposedly the, the, the legend has it he was going to go into the NBA. He was going to be... Uh, in the NBA, so you didn't, but you know, you don't have a basketball movie in your background or anything. That's uh, no, I don't. You I had a, I, I take part in that great white hype movie. Speaking of boxing, boxing, yeah. But you couldn't have been in like Fish That Saved Pittsburgh or some of those late seventies, like an up and coming role. Yeah, maybe you, you I should tell still... your agent. You, 
blew yeah, it. A fast Break you could have been in? Fast Break, really? I don't know either of those movies no, so far. I'm playing, I know Hoosiers. I know the basketball movie Hoosiers. What are your favorite sports movies? Hoosiers, Hoosiers you like? Yeah, what the, else? Well, what the see? classics are, the old school classics are like Hoosiers, The Natural. The Natural. Um, I did like Glenn Close is a friend of mine from the big chill, of course. Right. We've stayed in touch and she just, she's a dear angel. She said something nice about me in that piece uh, for GQ. And she came over to our house to meet our two little boys. We've got two little boys now. Yeah. Um, and um, she was in The Natural. That's right. She well, was she, she was the lady in wait yes. in the natural, but yes. then played Fatal Attraction Lady like a year later. Yes, which is like the two the good angel and the bad the angel. Yeah. That's right. Oh, she's yeah. uh, she's got every color in the rainbow. She can do everything. But how about that Glenn Close sports movies? That's what we were talking about. Hey, do you like that that um, that movie that Oliver Stone did about football? That you know, any given I do. Sunday. I think it's age, I kinda, it's really weird, but it's aged really nicely. I, yeah, it's kind of a guilty pleasure for me. I kind of yeah. I kind of like it too. I had yeah. uh, Pacino is here. We did a podcast last you've week. You've got to be kidding. Sitting right there. Now you've struck a chord. Now you're talking about something. I'm not positive he knew what was going on. What do you mean? He was. I think he thought it was a live radio show for a while and then realized it was eventually a long form conversation that he could just keep going and going. Uh-huh. And about 25 minutes in, he started doing the oh, whole. I remember one time with Brando and I was like, oh, this is yes. And it was great. He was awesome. <clears throat> really? He name dropped any given Sunday. He was like, I was in this movie once, any oh given God. Sunday. I was like, yeah, I'm familiar. I've seen it 40 times. Were you starstruck with him? I mean, I would have had a million questions for him. Did you ask about the Godfather or did you feel we, comfortable talking about I all that? I did. And we talked, he talked about how he almost got fired in The Godfather. Right, of course. That's um, a famous story. He was story. talking about the 70s. He was talking about the 80s. There's just like five years of just missing where he just didn't right, act. before he came back in Sea of Love. Yeah. You know. That's uh, how he phrased it, actually. He's like, then I came back with a movie that's right. you might have heard of, Sea of Love. Yeah, with John Goodman. Yeah, my that was good Ellen Barkin. Good from, I did a couple of movies with Ellen Barkin. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. Couple of movies. That's what I, we're going to play a game that we're going to be able to dive into. I all like different to play parts. all manner of games. By the way, I'm from Pittsburgh. You're from Boston, right? so you must be a Patriots fan. Or as, I know. A, as a broadcaster, you're not allowed to have any allegiance to any. Oh, team. I'm the exact opposite. I'm nope. open, open about my allegiances. Really? So, you, so you're the for the so Patriots. Yeah, we've been beating the Steelers pretty consistently now for. Did you see today, I saw in the Bleacher Report, they have the new catch rule has been established, which would have, and they referenced the You would have won that game. We would have won that game. Yeah. As we should have. As usual, they change the rules after the Patriots benefit from them. That's a recurring theme with the Now, even being a fan as you are, are you suspicious of their- now that rule needed a change. Right. My whole thing is- But after their win- If it seems like a catch, it should be a catch. Yeah, you know, like Jesse well, James clearly caught the ball. Yes, to yes, say like, no, right. actually it moved one eighth of an inch. Yeah, I don't like right. it. Well, anyway, we could talk about that forever. But I'm a big, big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Uh, you must know everything about the off season uh, with yeah. the Steelers. This uh, well, you year. have your running backs holding out. Yeah, Le- Le'Veon Bell. What do you think? I met him once. I took a couple of pictures with him. Believe it or not. I I support running backs holding out because their careers are about eight to nine years and they right. need to get paid during the eight to nine years. Right. And I it mean, can't be like, yeah, next year we'll get you. And then all of a sudden you get How long did cut. Barry Sanders work? Yeah. How long did uh, Jim Brown work? It's a young man's position. Hey, here's a, here's a quiz for you. Yeah. What movie, let's talk about sports figures who then did movies. What movie did, well, Jim Brown did a lot of movies. Jim Brown retired to make 
kind of not that great movies. He was like these low budget action movies. Yeah. But yeah. he just didn't want to play anymore. He was smart. He, he didn't did. want to take the punishment. Oh, right. Very smart. But OJ was in Capricorn One, which was actually a good movie. I like Capricorn One. You don't like you're I know, not, I've never not seen in on it. it? I've never seen it. It was about how they fa- they basically faked going to Mars. They filmed it in a studio, but then something went wrong and the astronauts had to escape. Right. Right. You know, Courtney B. Vance yeah. is in Isle of Dogs. I've been spending time with him on this publicity tour. He's a wonderful guy, wonderful actor. And of course, he played Johnny Cochran in the recent- He was amazing oh, in that. He was quite amazing in that. And yeah. then Sterling K. Brown was great too. And he's had a whole Sterling kind of, K. not Brown, revival, but like, I guess he breakthrough. Played, he played- He played Chris Darden. Chris Darden, of course. You got to get in on one of these Ryan Murphy things. And I just did a, well, I like Ryan Murphy. And I saw every episode of Feud- and yeah. wait a minute, I was on a couple episodes of Glee. That's Ryan Murphy too, right? Yeah, but you got to do one where you play like Bob Shapiro. Oh, really? And the OJ thing. Well, like if Travolta had, if they hadn't had him, I think you were next. Sterling K. Brown, I just did a movie with. Yeah. Uh, called Hotel Artemis with the two of us and mainly Jodie Foster. Oh. How about that? Interesting. is interesting? He hosted SNL and was really good. And yes. I always like to, I like when actors that I like host SNL because it's a nice test of kind of, I don't want to say how good of an actor they are, but how flexible they are as an actor. Yes, I know what you Different mean. Different thing. You did it. You hosted I it did twice, it a couple right? of times. Yeah. Did you ever act? Did you do much acting? God, no. No? No, I'd be terrible. I'd be terrible. You'd be wonderful. No, you'd be great. Um, <laughs> you hosted in 93? Yeah, I think it was 93. Aerosmith? That's right. Aerosmith. I don't remember. You hosted one more time, but I don't remember the other. I remember the Aerosmith, though, because I was like kind of And then I played with him. You know, I played piano. I heard that story. I played. You heard that story. You so went I, on stage with them. I bore you with that. That's right. Yeah. That's I was not there. a boring story. They invited you on stage they invited me on during stage an Aerosmith concert. The moment, and I played a song with them at some outdoor theater, 80,000 people. I'm going to play the IMDb game with you. Yeah. It's going to be fun. But you ready? Mohammed, yes. Yeah. Well, I want to play Do you know what game. the IMDb game is? Uh, no, I don't. But I'll we play go through some of the movies you did. Okay. And just the trigger of the names prompts you into some sort of memory from the yes. past. Watch this. That's my, that's my best, uh, that's special skills on my resume, you know, free association, <laughs> along with a stick shift. And, you know, I speak uh, some French. Well, what was, there was on one set where they were playing like basically every movie you were in could go to another actor, but then it could circle back and well, come yeah, back to you. Well, yeah, that's a fun game. That's a different little yeah, variation different, of this, yeah. is uh, the movie game. Actor, movie, actor, movie, actor, yeah. movie. That would be a fun game to Kevin play Kevin Bacon together. was another one that right. you could do that. There's that's certain kinda, actors who've been, yeah. who've crossed so many paths. Uh, yeah, that's right. All right, so your first movie. Death Wish. Death Wish, and you're, and you're like a horrible thug in the movie, and, and freak you set one. up this whole vigilante. You're freak number one freak on the number IMDb. One. That's right. That was your first movie. It was Gregory like the Ruzakis. most horrible part ever. That's right. 1973, long before you were born. Gregory Ruzakis and Chris Logan are the freak number two and three. Uh, Charles Bronson, of course, is the fellow whose wife, Hope Lang, Gets uh, killed. We 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 do. You some break into her apartment and yes, you do, do terrible things we, to her and her daughter. We do terrible things. So we, what do you tell your fam after? Like good news, my, I got a break. I'm in this movie, but I was. You exci- might not want to see it. Well, I don't know. I was excited. The the I just studied with Sanford Meiser, and no, oh, it was a part. It was a part. I got yeah, a part to acting. break into any part at all. It was the first thing I'd ever gone up for. Wow. So it was like a, a miracle, the, the the greatest miracle to me, and playing a part that was unlike me. I thought I was characterized and going to practice my acting. So I was thrilled about it. Yeah. 
That movie, which they finally remade, which had been dying to be remade forever, is such a great idea. The the idea of the movie? Don't just like- It is? Guy, normal guy. Yes. Something horrible happens to his family and he becomes a vigilante. You like that idea? That's a great idea. What do you like about that idea? I just like it. Well, it did did well the first time, but- It didn't do as well the second time. I just like the principle behind it of somebody kind of snapping and looking for their own version of justice. Really? You're not, you're, you don't seem to like it as much. No, of course not. Not in real life. As a, no, as not, a, I meant as, as a, a movie, not as a real yes, life. Yes, yes, as yeah. a movie. Yeah, it's an idea that appeals to a lot of people who felt frightened. Yeah. And, uh, and they want to do something uh, violent to, uh, to keep themselves safe, as we know in today's world. A lot of many people feel at risk. Uh, but we, I, I believe, me, Jeff Goldblum, I believe, uh, uh, and I, I hope I don't offend anybody, that in the long arc that I hope a hundred years from now or even sooner, we say people were doing what? Yeah. They were, they had these things called guns mm. and nuclear weapons that they could do away with everybody in a second. And uh, before we decommissioned all that technology and melted them down and made sculptures and lovely little things that you could watch, people were actually resolving their conflicts, not by conversation and lively, vibrant conversation and disagreement, but they were hurting each other and killing each other. Even when the 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 Wisdom literature tells us it's one of the commandments. That's one of the things you don't want to do. Don't kill anybody. So why why are there even these things, yes, that you can resort to when we get mad, of course, yes. So you're saying death wish isn't going to age well. Hey, I'm not. I'm talking about something else <laughs> no, entirely. Besides the commercial no, legs of a movie, of a of a stupid little movie. <laughs> you know, who I cares? wonder. Hundred years from now, I wonder if people would be interacting. Everybody just might be in their own little. Well, that's House another, or apartment or condo and just like a whole other texting subject. and emailing each other and well, that's it. we don't know. The technology has, I'm no expert, but it's it's, it's so erupted and we don't know what it's going to do to the culture. Um, me, I hope that we can use it in a way to allow ourselves to make deeper, more intimate, personal connections with, with each other. And one of the vehicles for that through through the ages has been... Uh, storytelling and telling each other in person and by way of the movies or however we do it, us stories where we pretend things sometimes. We go, hey, let's imagine that, but I don't know, what if this happened? We act out things. That's kind of, that's kind of nice, primitive. Well, you're the mayor of Hollywood. You can make this happen. I'm nothing. Just tell, just tell your, tell the people that work under you to just get it, get the laws passed. (laughs) There's no, nobody. What laws? (laughs) Do you have an office? Keep acting going? (laughs) No, no. No, no, I'm just on my own here. How about Starsky and Hutch, 1977? Hey, now you're cooking with gas. Thank you very much. I love that Uh, show. The great David Soul and Paul Paul Michael Michael Glazer. Glazer. Unbelievable car. I might have had the toy little tiny replica of it. I want a muscle car now. I mean, I've never had a fun car in my life. I'm driving a Prius now, and that's the correct car. My friend Ed Begley told me to get that. My wife has a a Tesla now, Uh, and I'm thinking of getting a new car. There's a little space left in my garage which is not going to fit, you know, the Dodge Challenger or yeah. something in orange with a stripe or something. But I'd kind of like that. I should go off the grid and get, the get Starsky a and Hutch car. Leaf or a Bolt or another Tesla, but it's maybe too small. Well, and what was that car? Is that a Dodge Challenger or something like that? 
I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like. I, I, I like the paint job. I don't even remember what car it was. Well, that, as a you kid. and I—that's me. All I really care about. I don't. I know, I know nothing about cars. All I really care about in a car is the color. Yeah. So I've been looking look? at those Mini Coopers, and I go, "Gee, I want one of those little, those cute little colors." What about uh, Annie Hall? You had one line. Annie Hall. I said, "You know what it is? Uh, maybe you researched it. Did, would you have known had you not researched it?" I haven't seen that movie in a while. Oh, okay. So nobody knows. Okay, here. I say in that movie, I forgot my mantra. Woody Allen, Alvy Singer visits uh, Hollywood and there's a Los Angeles party and some guy on the phone, he passes with Paul Simon and uh, he's visiting Paul Simon's house and, and uh, Diane Keaton, uh, his girlfriend. And, and he passes me, I'm on the phone and I say, I, I, I forgot my mantra. Uh, you know, that's the line. That's it. How big of a deal was it to get a Woody Allen, even a line in a Woody Allen movie in 1977? Because Annie Hall was the one that blew him up, but he was already big anyway. Oh, sure he was. But it changed a lot. I think it changed some some things in movies. And for his career, it was a, a landmark. I do believe. I don't know if he sees it that way. But um, it was a big deal for me. Like I say, I'd started in 73. This was actually in 75-ish. Yeah. So it was only a few movies in. It was my third movie after... Death Wish, I did California Split and Nashville, these two that I miraculously yeah. landed with uh, Robert Altman, spectacular director. And then I met Woody Allen on this, and he said, yeah, I'll you know, come on and do this Who thing. Who was more me. happy for you, Starsky or Hutch? Uh, happy for me. That was after. <laughs> Starsky and Hutch was after I moved right. here. But how about... How well, about this the, next movie uh, was a movie my parents took me to in the theater and probably shouldn't have... Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, 1978. A, yeah. a really good idea and a movie that has shockingly held up well. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I'll bet it, it, it is nice because Philip Kaufman, a wonderful director uh, who directed The Right Stuff, I had a little part in that, yeah. uh, directed that. Michael Chapman, who was the cinematographer on Raging Bull, speaking of which, was the great cinematographer. Oh, it's got lovely things in it. And, and uh, of course, uh, Donald Sutherland is in it. And- Do you know that premise, Tommy? Pods are taking over people. If you fall asleep, you turn into a pod and get replaced by the pod. Yeah. So the whole goal for the last hour of the movie is don't fall asleep. Yeah. But obviously human beings have to sleep. Yes. It's kind of terrifying. It's terrifying. And of course, people have attached, um, you know, know, symbols to it. It, 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 Imagine that it's a symbol for other things. Uh, many other Jeff's uh, character falls asleep and becomes a bad guy. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't have no, fallen asleep. I do. Oh, do I? Yes, I yeah, do. You did. Yeah, I do. You shouldn't have fallen asleep. You blew Well, it. they take you over. These pod people take, <laughs> take you over. You got to sleep at some point. But I think it's a, now that I, on the, now I'm thinking out loud right now, I think it's a metaphor for any of us in our modern world to fall below a level of awareness, mm. attention, wakefulness, uh, and then we become, if we do, if we lose touch with reality, the facts of reality, and a certain alertness, we might become an other, a kind of unrecognizable, soulless type, you know? That's how I felt the last two years at ESPN when I was there. Really? No, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit, a tiny bit. The Right Stuff, another one that sold up well. Yeah, Same director? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so Big Chill, 83. This is your big break. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm asking you. I don't. I don't know about that. I mean, it it was a continuum along the way. Of it was a. It it got attention. It, well, maybe it, it didn't feel like it was the big break as yeah. it was happening, but in retrospect, you have this awesome director. It becomes this iconic movie. Belongs to a generation. Like it's my mom's probably. Yeah. One of her top three favorite movies. No kidding. Because it's like her generation. Yeah. Not it's like grandma, we went to college, we're going to save the world. And then 10 yes. years passed and it's like, 
Right. Hey, let's make some money now. Well, and that was like the existential dilemma of yeah, the it's baby like boomers. When you get older, do you lose your idealism? We're looking right now at these wonderful kids from who are who are protesting in union uh, uh, and are on the right side of history, of course. And uh, at, at, and what will we be like when we get older? Are we that brave? Are we that idealistic? Uh, I don't know. I love that movie because. I have like probably like 20 to 25 go-to movies. The thing I love about that movie is it's it's about friendship. And one of the one of the big themes in it is these people are like almost like become family. And they're your friends, mm. but they're really not in your life after a certain point. Yeah. And like William Hurt's character, he, at one yeah. point he's like, but you guys, you've I've you seen you twice a year. Yeah. And like he does that whole speech you where you don't know me. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know me. And yeah. it cuts deep, but at the same time, like they feel like they do know him. That's like their brother. Yes. And it's so painful, mm-hmm. but it's like, that's what life's like. You feel like of somebody's course. your best friend and then you don't talk to them for two years. Yeah, that's right. You still even, love them though. Even members of your own family. Yeah. Sometimes you go, geez, we're family, but I, we've drifted apart or this and that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a classic. It's like the Godfather too. Right. You know, oh my gosh. I mean, that's, a, that's a, the ultimate family movie. They're connected by blood in a very strong way, but they wind up killing. He winds up killing Fredo. Okay. Oh my God. Still can't get over it. Oh my God. Well, in Godfather three, he, he becomes, you know, Epileptic yeah, he's over the whole thing, by. psychically epileptic. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. And then visited upon him is the death of his own daughter in front of his eyes. And he screams silently like the painting. The camera coming back. Yes. That was great. Ay, 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 those Corleones. The, uh, when you filmed The Big Chill, they, they had everybody come like three weeks early or two weeks early and you guys all hung out. Really sounds like it was a special experience. It was very like special, I don't special. I don't know. It doesn't seem like movies unfold that way very often. Where it's, it's like no, it's, you're connecting with all the people, and then you yeah. act in the movie after. It's rare. Yeah. No. Um. We did it like a play. You do that when you do plays. Yeah. We, but we rehearsed that for more than two weeks. I think for four weeks or something. Uh, we got together and talked and bonded ourselves together intentionally and and worked out the stuff in the movie, yeah, and became quite close and it was very palsy and warm and delicious. And then we all went to Beaufort, South Carolina, where they filmed The Great Santini in that oh, same wow. house yeah. with Duval. That's right. And um, yeah, and we lived there. We lived all in a complex. They're all together. And after filming, we would get together, play charades and play games and sing and dance. Yeah, it was great. No sequel. Uh, no. no. I, don't, I don't know if the, I don't know yeah. what a sequel would be for that movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I like how it just ends at the kitchen table and then yes, it's done. Yes, it's, it's um, fine and dandy. So that opened up after that. Now you're rolling. Well, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> but now um, you're rolling now at okay. that point. Well, you're you're getting to pick projects now that you want to do, and well, I don't know. No, here am I wrong? Sure, it was nice. It was nice. I'm sure it was helpful. You know, I've never been careerist, is what you're talking about, and so I don't yeah, know. But if you I love even, acting. It, might, I love it acting. must be nice to be like, oh, now I have a chance to do this project. That yes, I don't have as a that's chance. come more and more as I've gone on, and not at any one landmark point really is the answer. But as that has come. Yeah, I feel better now than ever and luckier and um and I'm enjoying acting more purely and in a relaxed fashion than ever and feel that I'm on the brink of my best stuff in fact. 
Silverado. Yes. People feel like is one of the lost really good 80s movies. Really? I don't know. Good. Well, That's what you said think. it. I don't know. <laughs> are, you, are you just running up the flagpole? See what I'll say? No. It, yeah, I think a lot of people do like that movie, of course. Um, yeah. We're doing weird association with your movies. Yeah, okay. I'm just trying to set you up. Oh, yeah. Well, you're starting the association. You're throwing me off because you're starting me on the association. You're like, here, drive the car away. And I'll drive for the first block. <laughs> now, just take my wheel whenever you want. No, let me drive it. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a lovely movie, of course. And I have a big fur coat in that movie. And Lee You play Winston. Slick Calvin Stanhope. Slick Calvin Stanhope. That's a great character name. That's right. And I got a, a dagger up my boot. And I've got a derringer up my sleeve. And sweet Danny Glover and I get to tangling at the end of that movie. Uh, he does me in. So Costner's in that and he sure he's is. about to become a mammoth star. Could you see that as you, like when you're doing a movie like that, are you looking around going, oh, that guy's somebody, that guy's, something's so, happening to this guy. So you're asking questions that have the sensibility of careerism to them. And I'm so telling you. So you don't you, like the careerism stuff. It's not that I don't like it. I've never been focused on it. So the answer to the last question is no. I don't go around usually saying, hey, as if I'm smoking a cigar. I'm not the cigar. I'm That's the other but side of the But don't you notice court. like- Wow, that guy's yeah. a really good actor. That's, yes. I can get excited about and say, wow, geez, very sparkling. Like, wow, very who delicious. is this guy? Who is this guy? I don't know that if I, I don't know that I immediately start thinking, oh boy. Well, I bet good things are going to happen to him. Good things. See, that's future. the writer in me. You know, that's, uh, you're, you're another kind of, you've got a different kind of talent than I. I don't, I don't know if I have that talent. Well, I don't even know if it's a talent. Oh, sure it is. Look at you. But isn't there a competitiveness? Like when you're on a set like that and you got people, you're all the same age, or, especially uh, when you're younger. I mean, they're, they're friends, but at the same time, yeah. they're going to be rivals for future parts and stuff. Mm. You didn't feel. I, I get. I guess if you choose to, if you choose to think that way, you're down a route that's all that's going to get even more, even more radical. See, this in that is way. why you're and the you mayor will, of Hollywood, and you will drive yourself self nuts because it's unhealthy. Whereas, right. You know, read the play Death of a Salesman. I think uh, I biff. I think happy, happy. The, the 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 misguided and confused son who doesn't even know he's confused, who's suffering from a classic American disease syndrome, says, you know, I think one of my troubles is I have an overdeveloped sense of competition. And we see that his dad, who is who has visited that upon him, and who he has had not, and who happy has not had the sensitivity and intelligence like Biff to resist, uh, is doomed in a tragic way. And so is Happy. It's only Biff that gets out of it. Uh, I myself have tried to. I'm not unfamiliar with that, the temptation to feel like that here and there, but I myself have always been an active aspirant to toward its antidote. Stay involved with what you love to do and be the best of yourself and find yourself for the sheer joy of work and forget this game and rat race. It's only going Let to- Let me flip it around. It's only going to be dismal. When you're in the big, you must learn one thing when you're in every movie, right? Learn like one thing when one you're- One thing that's going to help you going forward. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a humble student. So I'm what'd always you learn eager from, to sp sponge What'd you learn from any. Big Chill? What did I learn? Well, I'll What'd tell you. What'd you take away from that movie? I'm like, I'm going to use this. Okay, listen to this. I don't know about acting. I'm always trying to get better at acting and maybe I learned a thing or two. But, um, but Joe Beth Williams, who was wonderful in that movie, one of these nights to which I referred um, where we were playing charades, mm. 
saw me before the uh, my turn, kind of fishing ar- around like a scallywag of some kind in the bowl and kind of trying to take a peek. You were cheating. Titles. I was cheating, but I thought it was kind of cute. Low stakes cheating. Huh? It's Low cheat- stakes cheating. It's what? Low stakes cheating. Low stakes cheating. Yeah. Yes. Well, I didn't even know that phrase, but it's a kind of, yes. I, I just created I, it. I thought of, it's very good. I thought of it, yes, as low stakes, and this is just for fun, and aren't I kind of cute and charming that I'm kind of trying to get a sneaky leg up? She became red with fury. She's an honorable person, Joe Beth Lance. She's noble and honorable and wonderful and decent. And in front of everybody said, Jeff Goldblum. And I I don't don't remember the exact words, but she read me the riot act and says, shame on you. Look what you're doing. Don't, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was stricken with shame. From that point on, I can say that it kind of shifted my paradigm. I never cheated again, I don't think. It became so shameful to me. I think it cured me. She cured me wow. in that moment. single-handedly. Huh? It was yep. like she baptized you. I guess I was ready. Yeah, I guess I was ready for it. But somehow, that, uh, yeah, no, any game I play, you know, and hopefully in life too, in some of the more complicated ways in which we can be dishonest or, or cheat in ways, but certainly in any game, I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't tell, I don't want to know any, anything about it. This is a, it really taints the victory. Can I still cheat at, at low stakes things? Like you can scrabble? do anything you okay, want. Good. Everybody's on their own, right on schedule on their own My timeline. Wife, and if it still works for you, if it's still fine for you, it maybe is okay. <laughs> I played Scrabble with my wife once and my dad, and I actually thought it was a blank tile, but it was turned the wrong way. And they, and then two other blank tiles came out and I had used a blank tile that really was like an eye underneath it. And they're still making fun of me about this like 20 years later. But you I didn't cheated. know or you cheated? You knew and you cheated. I don't think I knew. I, but believe me, I would have cheated at Scrabble. But right. in this case, I didn't know. So yeah. I had plausible deniability. Yes. So yeah. Well, 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 I'm glad she taught you that. Because plausible deniability. But, you know, that's a form of, of low-grade cheating, too. You have to Low-stakes cheating. Yes. Turn that tile over. In Scrabble, <laughs> if you're playing, turn it. If you think it's a, a blank, make sure you turn it over as yeah. many times as you need to to make sure I really have a blank one. Because ignorance, she ignorance of the law is not a defense. That's amazing she cared you. Amazing. I'll be in, indebted to her forever. You did Into the Night. Yes. You caught caught Pfeiffer pretty pretty early there, right? No, it yeah, was Pfeiffer. quite early. Yeah, she had done Grease two. She had a little Scarface, and I think had she just done Scarface. Scarface was, was like Scarface? a year or so before. Ah, well, was that Scorsese? Scarface is not no, Scorsese. No. Who did Into the Night? No, John Landis is that Into John the Landis. Night. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, What'd you learn from that one? Well, Michelle Pfeiffer is wonderful, and we went on to do. Uh, Prince of Egypt, another voice thing together. And we went on to do a play in Central Park, a Shakespeare version, a Shakespeare play, Twelfth Night. Um, I think the world of her and continue to be a huge fan. Um, she's a she's my favorite actress, and it's a running joke with with uh, the Ringer staff, with some of the people I've worked with. I just think she can do no wrong. Oh, she's fantastic. I don't think I could do a podcast with her. I would, it would, I would be too... Uh, really? I'd be too, too, I don't know, I'd be too discombobulated. She's absolutely wonderful. I just saw her in Mother. She's, uh, she's well, oh, very, what'd very you think of that movie? Well, we'll talk all it's about super that. super weird, right? We're going to talk all about that later. Yeah, I thought it was very provocative and I was riveted to it. And there's much so to say about it. So polarizing. 
Much to say about it, yeah. But wait, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about, just a second. I was well, say, something but, you learned from her? Oh, oh, I know. Something I learned from Into the Night. Yeah. We just made, I saw it again recently because I was going to do a, a whole video, DVD, extra material, you know, not commentary, but a little interview mm. about it that would be included on the Blu-ray DVD, which I think just came out. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know how they cut it down. But on the in the interview, I talked a lot about, and I hope it's there because I liked it, about seeing it now, seeing it recently, and realizing all the ways I would change my performance. Oh, that's interesting. And every way I would act differently now. You mean yep. like you would scale it up, scale it down? Uh, it's complicated. It went on for, I talked a lot about it. I don't know that I could summarized right now but see maybe it's not they didn't include it maybe it was too boring to include an inside baseball but but i'm i i, I want to watch that to see if they included it and give see me the one sentence off. cliff notes what well, would you let have me done see. differently i think i said oh, my interpretation i think i think i would have interpreted it differently interpreted different that's your that's not me i for a second i was scared i left my phone on but that's you the um the uh you always turn your phone off in the theater don't you when you go to a play i do yeah yeah, that's good no it's the facetime oh congratulations what's that mean somebody's somebody's calling you on you don't do facetime oh because your kids aren't old enough yet you're young they're not no screen time whatsoever i do instagram so i post some things on instagram and then i look sort of compulsively, pathetically at hashtag Jeff Goldblum to see what people are posting. Are people nice? Very nice. They're very nice. And they post fun old pictures of me and uh, from things that I like to see sometimes and pic- and pictures that they've drawn of me and tattoos that they've gotten of me on themselves. What was your most regrettable hairdo from the past? Hairdo. You must add one bad one from the seventies or eighties, oh, right? Yeah, I've done. I've swung wildly in horrible style directions, and and I mean, I their hair now looks magnificent. Well, thank Look you very that. much. Thank you. Well, it's you really, have classic. That no, is, I mean, that yours, is, yours is like yours it's is like perfectly yours like, looks like George Clooney. Up. It's really. really? Oh, really? Wait a nice. minute. Looks like there's a lot of product in there, but okay, I don't think there so is. Okay, so this is one of these kinds. It starts as a compliment. This hey, what, is like It me. is a compliment. When I say, hey, nice that's a lovely is. sweater, I really mean sometimes, oh my gosh, hey, I have to I'm mention it because it's so god-awful. It, really? But wait, it, you wanted to say it's all pushed up no, and it's got it's, a lot of product? I like how it's sitting up and it's it seems like there's product in it, but I don't think there is. Like I think my, it's just like a natural... Yeah. Natural like fluff upwards. Okay. Well it's if impressive. you like it. If you like it. I just came, as I told you, from the from filming that show The Talk. Right. So I had a, a hair person. I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not there's nothing that I need to hide from you. She did a wonderful job. Yeah, it's uh, 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 David Cox uh, did it, and he did. He even filled in. Look at this. My see my sideburns. I've got a kind of a very oh, kind you did a little of, shadow in the sideburns. Yeah, I've got an affected. Yes, I've got an affected sort of very but very planned stubble, a length of stubble that I like mm. that we both like that he recommended, and he sort of groomed it a little bit to outline this sideburn, yeah. which he then darkened a little bit. So it's all darkened. So it looks like my mustache, which is actually dark. Yeah. This is the actual, but it sort of matches that. I kind of like it, even though I'm uh, conceptually opposed to hair dye much or or any kind of, you know, any kind of uh, interference or mutilation. The Fly 86, which was on cable for a long time, but you went all in on that one. The fly? Yeah. What do you mean all in? It was grueling. You, you didn't have clothes on for a lot of it. 
Uh, some of it, I mean, that true. was like a commitment, that movie. It sure was, yeah. Well, I've always been committed to it's my acting. It's a good acting. idea. It was a good idea. It was a good idea for a movie. Again, with you with a good idea. I know, I just you like really it. I respect ideas. You have a producer's sensibility. You know what? Good idea for a movie. Hey, this kid's going far. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Are you sure you don't smoke cigars? I you will should. if you want me to. I'm going to send you a case of Maybe cigars it's his after office. this. Suppose this is Frank Capra's office. Maybe yeah, it makes this me This was Frank Capra's office? Apparently. You've got to be kidding. We had Paul Thomas Anderson a couple months ago, and he was I love Paul pretty Thomas adamant. Anderson. Yeah. He's pretty adamant that this is Frank Capra's. I love him. He's uh, The Master was my favorite movie that year, and There Will Be Blood and Inherent oh, yeah. Vice. And he's, he's, geez, unbelievable. he's fantastic. So you, oh, Frank Capra, this was his audience? This was his office? It seems like it was. So it's a wonderful life. I know. In like the in like the 30s, this was his office. Oh, apparently. my golly. I know. So what that's, why he, you have, that's why you're the mayor of Hollywood has so much energy right now. Well, I in don't the, believe in-, in the, in I the don't, old Frank Capra grounds. Yeah, I don't believe in that stuff. You know, the leftover, leftover vibrations. energy. No, I don't. Nope, uh, I don't. Um, Maybe he like tucked like one little piece of huh? good karma somewhere in these walls. Who piece knows? of karma. You acted. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, uh, <laughs> you're a funny mix of uh, a producer and uh, you're and like a crazy person. You're like King Vidor and uh, and uh, Swami Satchidananda. I think uh, the in the fly mix. you acted with your your then girlfriend. Yes, Gene yes. Davis. Yes, what's my, it like to do a movie? With, yeah, what's it like to do a movie with somebody you're dating? Well, it was uh, delightful at the time. She's a wonderful woman and a wonderful actress, and we got to rehearse all the time obsessively. Uh, uh, you know, before it started. But all how that. do you keep like the relationship stuff out of like the work we're doing a movie together stuff? How does it overlap? Well, yeah, it didn't need to in this case. All the you, you know, it was a very it's a it's a movie about two people having a, a very strong connection. And then a tragic, and then the know, guy's turning into a fly. So yes. that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. They usually for relationships can, yeah. can undermine them in some ways. When if somebody's turn turning into a, into a bug, yeah, yes. Good become, idea for a movie. Don't you think so? <laughs> Good idea for yeah. a movie. Yeah. Where's my cigar? You know, this is what I do with my with 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 Charlie. We have a couple of leather chairs in the. Uh, in the living room. And when he sits on one and I sit on the other one, I say, Charlie, let's have brandy and cigars. Yeah. And I go, and then I give and then I put it in front of him and he goes, and I give him, then I give him some brandy, you know, but I'll pretend <laughs> we, we pretend he doesn't know what either of those are yet, but he, we're pretending. You did the player with Altman second time. Play? Altman's like the player, the player. And yes. uh, we did Altman's four always movies like, together. I think. Yeah. He's always in, mentioned in the conversation of best ever, one of the best ever. What made him special in your opinion? There's a Robert Altman award. I think that one of the independent spirit awards yeah. is the Robert Altman award. Uh, oh, he was fantastic. We did California split together and Nashville and the player. Uh, was he one of those like solicit your opinion? Was he a multiple take guy? Was he a one take guy? Was he a lot of prep before? What kind of director was he? No, he was. A, he's a real artist. He was a real artist and kept um, kept evolving. And like Miles Davis, you know, kept changing his wave of making movies and made different kinds of movies. Uh, di directed plays at some point. Did movies that were true to the lines did, uh, of the play that he was adapting. Um, Oh, I did Beyond Therapy with him too. We did four movies together. Yeah. The um uh it's but but famously early on he was very improvisational and would take the script as a kind of a blueprint. He did that in Nashville and California Split and uh very minimal, didn't like to rehearse much. 
in So you those- could be doing a scene with somebody and you'd be having coffee and you just try it eight different ways and he would just be curious to see which one worked? Something like that. He was visionary, but was a kind of a master host and and guide. Hmm. And his sensibility was very strong. His sense of humor was strong. And 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 he was very trustful uh, to to the original part of your question, yeah. And so you felt really that he was he was collaborating with you, and and that you had something to offer. And that you're going to hate this question. You. I am. What uh, okay. would you rather work with that type of director or the type of director is like you're doing this, do it this way, and it's going, and you're just kind of fulfilling. The you spot know, of the that's job. a very good. I like that question. Oh, good. Because you liked I, one of my questions. Because I'm a kind of a. I like all your questions. Thank you. I'm a kind of a craft geek. You know, I, I studied with good people, Sandy Meisner, early on. I liked the classroom, and then I taught for a couple of decades. So how you do things is of interest to me. And in the classroom. I would say to people, as I say to myself now, that you have to know how to do some different things and be able to work with different Explore people. Explore the studio space a little bit. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, with the scene. Oh, okay. Explore the studio space. You have a dancer's kind yeah, of thank you. Thank uh, you, you. Know, mentality too. <laughs> you should see him moving around in here. Yes, yes. Explore the space, I think. Yeah. The um, but, but here's what I like to do. I like to be able to do a play uh, for the David Mamet play, which I've done, and all sorts of plays where you have to say every single line exactly the way it is, mm. including the dot, dot, dots, which mean you take a pause there and you have to make it seem like you're improvising it. And on stage, you have to hit that light, you know, sometimes. And sometimes when you work with a great cinematographer like Gordon Willis, who did uh, Annie Hall, they go, here, this way you're in the light and this inch back this way you're not in the light so do this and in fact look over that way so you're physically oh, constrained too and you got to say That's all this be stuff so hard. uh it's kind of demanding and challenging but i like it i like all that being able to sort of behave and do my pretending uh, in a space and in a you know in a sort you know with sort with constraints and demands and make it seem free and uh, like a spontaneous uh, lively affair at the same time i like to do the other thing where i let go like taika waititi who directed uh, thor ragnarok uh we improvised a lot of that we made up lines and we did, did all kind of st- stuff in that and i love doing that too so i like w- doing both of them would you agree you- that there are some actors out there that just fucking love it Cause love, like Pacino, I was talking to Brian Koppelman who did Ocean's 13. He d- he does billions. And he was saying they did this, they're doing Ocean's 13 with Pacino and they finish whatever the scene was and, he, and Soderbergh's directing and he's like, Hey Steven, let me do one more take just for me. There's no reason for it. He just really wanted to do one more and try a different thing and experiment yes. with it. Even though yes. he was done for the scene and he yes. just could have gone back to his trailer. Yes, of course. That's the way I've always. That's I admire him because of that. He's he's a model for me. And from the very start of how getting into this, I did it for the sheer joy and fun and adventure and romantic excitement of creative excitement of doing it. I didn't care what happened out of that. I had no idea out of that. And yes, of course, you're doing it for the pleasure. And the people I work with now, this Wes Anderson is a genius director. Yep. He does, you know, many takes. And then he says, well, I think I got it. I, I, I've got everything I want. Now let's do, let's do one just for pleasure. 
And he does that too, because it's so delicious to act. It's such a rare privilege and a, and uh, it's just uh, fantastic. You don't have to say who, but have you worked with the director that's one of those, I'm going to do so many takes you're going to wear down until I get you to the point I want to get you to? No. Because there are directors out there who do that, right? They'll do like a hundred takes. I guess, but even the ones I've heard of, I mean, Wes Anderson on Grand Budapest Hotel did a lot of takes, but because he had very kind of, he's a perfectionist and he wanted to kind of tweak it and still play around. He loves actors and working with him is a delicious kind of experience, but he wanted to keep playing around and moving in the spaces, exploring the space. uh, Get into uh, the arms. Yeah, okay, yeah, exploring (laughs) the space. And, uh, and until he was uh, felt he'd had what he envisioned and until his appetite was satisfied. So, yes, like that. But and but no, I've never had the other kind who went like, hey, Jeff is too, I got to relax him or I got to get him into a different condition by just wearing him out. No, I never had that, I don't think. But actor, but directors that I've heard like that, I've been watching recently a lot of interviews about Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Um, who apparently He's having like a weird of, renaissance now all of a sudden. Is he? Yeah, there's a big book that came out about him. And- oh. There's a lot of YouTube conspiracy documentaries about him these days. Mm, I'm fascinated by him and I love uh, his movies. Uh, but he did famously a lot of takes. I never worked with him, but yeah. uh, I'm not sure why he did them. And uh, But, but um, geez, it sounds good to me. You did Jurassic Park in 93, which became yeah. one of the biggest movies ever. Yeah. Did you think that was going to happen when you made it? Well, <laughs> this is going to be... Well, because it was a call huge my friend book. Bill Simmons. I'm, yeah, Bill, I'm in the biggest movie ever. This is going to be the biggest movie ever. What no, do you think of that? But <laughs> that was like a life-altering... I mean, the amount of people that saw that movie, but yes. it was based on a big book and Spielberg's directing it. Yeah. So you had to know it was going to be yeah. a blockbuster. Yeah, life... life. Which you hadn't really picked movies like that before. I was very lucky to be in that movie. I loved working with Steven Spielberg. It was a very wonderful, creative experience with him. He's terrific. And working with him was very nourishing and nurturing. I like that. Yes, I think if I gave myself a, ch- a, a, a moment to think that, yes, this book is popular, but I loved the book. I loved the character in the book by Michael Crichton. Um Dinosaurs, if they do what it sounds like they're doing, they're going to make technology to bring them to people in a way they haven't seen. Gee, this might be a catch on. But it wasn't, you know, even a couple of decades ago, it wasn't like it is now where everybody is indoctrinated with your favorite uh, <laughs> um um, uh, consideration, which is how's this, you know, this I mean, is how's this going to alter our lives and what's yeah, the. Yeah, but that must have uh, altered, but you became the Jurassic Park guy to probably a whole new group of people. It's been very like, fun. That guy. It's been very fun. No, not, I'm not pointing on the. I'm just pointing. Yeah, people yeah, saying yeah. like Jurassic Park. Yeah, I like it's. It's fun to be recognized and people make drawings of you, and that's awful fun. And I'm in this next one, Jurassic World, and people are excited about that. Yeah, it's terrific that it caught on so widely and intensely. You know, for a lot of people. Now the and, special effects are better. And now the special effects are better. Yeah, 25 years later, we, yeah. we can really make it seem like these dinosaurs are coming after you. I'll bet they can. In the old days, I, I it was just, a lot of like the characters staring up 
Well, that's how we did it. Yeah. I mean, it was. But they still have to do that. I was on the set and watching Chris and Bryce look at, you know, a tennis ball. And then later they're going to put in things, you know. But early on, we did some of that. Stan Winston did the puppetry. So we had real dinosaurs there that we could look at. But Dennis Murin did the award-winning CGI stuff that he was pioneering. But yeah, but they keep improving all of that stuff. But I'm a particular fan, too. And I can't wait to see what J.A. Bayona does with uh, the special effects and that whole movie. But uh, I'm a fan of uh, Wes Anderson's uh, um, work in Isle of Dogs, where it's um, no CGI. It's all stop motion animation. Really? Which is kind of a throwback to Ray Harryhausen and Jason the Argonauts and all that stuff. Um, Yes, it's very... What do you think made him want to do that? Well, he did it before with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. This is another kind of uh, miles ahead version of it. Um, it's it's a very artful, beautiful, um, uh, gorgeous uh, art form, and he's a master. And this is a masterpiece. Wait till you see it. You'll you'll see. When does it, it come out? Uh, it's out as of this last week uh, in a few theaters, but then it's coming out more it's widely. The big wide release. Yeah, there's a big wide release rolling out, as they say here and there. Look to your local. Uh, papers and theaters to see when, but pretty soon it's going to be everywhere around. But uh, the Isle of Dogs, yeah, Isle of Dogs, it's called. It's fantastic. You know the cast in Isle of Dogs? It's loaded. Low, but people loaded. love doing Wes Anderson movies. It seems like he can kind of they sure do pick who he wants. I, I believe on this, he, the story goes that all his first choices yeah. know, were, were did, did it. You know, he just offers. You get the call from Wes Anderson. You're like, I'll be there with you. Yeah, Bill Murray and Ed Norton and Brian Cranston and yeah. Bob Alaban and Liev Schreiber, Harvey Keitel, Jesus. To Scarlett Johansson, Tilda Swinton, uh, Greta Gerwig, Francis McDormand, uh, Yoko Ono. Yoko uh, Ono? Yes, Courtney B. Vance. Yes, yes. Uh, um, many people, all, all sorts of people. What'd you learn from Spielberg? Well, Mr. Spielberg is, is is quite brilliant. Well, he's wildly prepared, but when he comes to the set, having been prepared, he's present in the moment and improvisational. It's kind of a dual combo platter, you know, that allows him to be so alive and vibrant and uh, imaginative on the set and on the spot and working with you. But I think it's because he's had that camera in his hand since he was a kid. And it's like, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a second, second nature to him. Uh, and uh, he's just great. Last day of the movie shoot, is he a handshake guy? Is he a one second hug guy? Or is he like a five second hug guy? Let me see. As he's saying goodbye to you. And he's thanking you for being in the movie. He's wonderfully warm. Um, Not only did we, I think, hug for at least five seconds, as I remember. Because you seem like a five-second hugger. Oh, yeah, I'll go on. You'll you'll dole him out. Oh, I'll dole him out? Yeah, you'll, you'll, (laughs) yeah, you'll... To deserving parties. I like, I'm a people person and I people like person. human contact of all kinds. Yes, I but do. But like Stanley Kubrick, probably short handshake, maybe I even not know. a handshake. I just, well, listen to this. I just saw, I, I, was, I watched Eyes Wide Shut again, his last movie. And such a fucking weird, great movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Very provocative movie. And I just saw all sorts of uh, interviews about it, analysis of it. And I just saw an interview with Tom Cruise about it and he described saying goodbye to him after a year or two or yeah, it was like two years two years however long they were working on the movie he said i said to him and he got tearful because now stanley kubrick had, had died yeah and uh and uh, tom cruise was recalling all of this it was almost my favorite thing that i'd ever seen tom cruise talk about he said um at the end of this i said well 
It's the last day. And he he said, I dreaded it. And I, I was... Uh, because I didn't want to say goodbye to Stanley, but I, I looked forward to it because I had enough of Dr. Bill. And um, <clears throat> and he says, after the last shot, I looked at Stanley and I, we're by ourselves. And I said, well, Stanley, I just want to thank you and tell you how much I love you. And, and he said, Stanley looked at me and he said, I love you too, Tom. Thank you very much. And, and it was like that. <clears throat> it was a very moving I'm shocked to hear it. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I'll bet Stanley Kubrick was a very wonderful, soulful, deeply intelligent and, and uh, rooted person. Yeah. When uh, you did Independence Day? Yes. Will Smith was taken off. Do you feel like his career was? No. <laughs> I had you for a second. You're like an agent. You could be an agent. You should go. You did sure you say you like, hey, for... this Will Smith guy's going places? <laughs> You've got to get a job as, as that... an agent, too. Yeah, um, maybe a side hustle. But that was a massive movie. I feel like the summer movie thing, yes. that was when summer movies became a thing that was now going to be in our lives for the rest of eternity. Like Speed had started in 94. I think Twister was the year after. Yeah. And then Independence Day. And it's like, this is now our life where you're going to have these giant summer movies. <laughs> no kidding. With lots of people in well, them. I think Jaws was maybe one of the Jaws, first ones. Jaws started the initial wave. Started yeah. something. Yeah. Um, well, nothing's going to be for all of eternity, of course, as we know. You know, soon enough, people will be saying, what were those things called? Movies? People, they watched them. And, yeah. They and sat in theaters with each other. Them. And that's when they had summer. That's when they released certain things. The you know, yeah, everything's that's when, changing. That's when there was a summer? Yeah, that's when there was a summer. Now it's 110 degrees every day. Yeah, well, we hope we can stay around. Nobody will remember us or anything about, about this. So, you know, that, that's how that goes. But uh, yeah, but Independence Day was a nice summery summer event that, that summer. It certainly was. Yeah. I feel like everybody in my life has seen that movie probably. Oh, congratulations. Oh. It's, it's like an under 30 really? kind of iconic yeah, ah. cable movie. Okay, good, um, good news. More good news. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, sir. That's the one that I did. Was just that the before. first one with Wes Anderson? No, the first one with Wes Anderson was 13 years ago. Oh, the Steve Zissou. Life Aquatic yeah. with Steve Zissou, starring Bill Murray and Kate Blanchett and and um, Angelica Houston. Had you worked with Bill Murray before? Um, no, I had not. No, that was the the first time, and uh, he was uh, amazing. Amazing. And then well, we, how did your energies vibe just out of curiosity? Because I always heard he was an eccentric kind of could go in any direction kind of guy. I love him. He's always keeps you on your toes and he's um, surprising and interesting and wondrous and wonderful. He's just always like that. You can see, I just saw... Because uh, it was, we did a whole bunch of Isle of Dogs publicity, and they paired me and Bill and Bob Alaban together. Ah. It's not a pair anymore; it's a troika of some kind. Anyway, I just saw the first one on Instagram, uh, on YouTube somehow, of us sitting there for five minutes having a little conversation. Yeah, you'll see what our dynamic is like a, a little bit. Uh, Who's it, the funniest person you've been on a set with? 
Because you've had some classics, yeah. you've, been, you've been with some funny people over the years. I sure have. Well, Bill Murray is spectacularly funny. Let's see. You did a movie with Eddie Murphy. You know who, huh? You did a movie with Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy, Murphy is, of course, wonderfully funny. You know who I found very, very funny is Jason Schwartzman. Uh, Interesting. Yep. Jason Schwartzman is very funny. He, uh, he, he, you know, he, he wrote this movie, Isle of Dogs, along with Roman Coppola, uh, with uh, uh, Wes Anderson and Kunichi Nimura. And, um, and uh, he's very funny. Oh, he's just like funny in the room, huh? Funny in the room, funny in the room. I'm not sure what that is. I think that's a comedian's, uh, you you, you know, there's certain uh, people, like if there's 10 people around and certain people just have the need to entertain everybody. Yeah. Oh, I have all these people. I can. He doesn't have that. He does not have that. And sometimes that need, I sort of smell out and it turns off my funny bone. I don't really? want to be entertained. Yeah. And I, I, you know, um, he's a deeply human person and he's unexpectedly funny sometimes. And he's not always funny and he's not always trying to be funny. Yeah. And I don't know if he ever wants to be funny necessarily in the, in the way that you're talking about. He's just happens to be surprising. He's amusingly funny. He's a, yeah. yes, yes. So who haven't you funny. worked with that you've always wanted to work with at this point? That's I mean, you've, we had that, we talked about Jeff Pete. Goldblum game. You've, you're connected to almost everybody, but like no. Tom Cruise, you never worked with, right? I certainly haven't. No, no. Um, I, I sure would like to work with uh, P.T. Anderson, who worked with Tom Cruise, thinks the world of him. You can see him on YouTube going on. About- well, you guys have shared a couch, so that's a good start. Mm. He was right there three months ago. You feel his, he left some energy, him and Frank Capra. You think so? Well, they left some energy for the I, podcast. Uh, okay, if you say so. But but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, uh, so P.T. Anderson, I'd love to work with, and the Coen brothers I've never worked with, and all sorts of people. Gee, I just did this movie called The Mountain um, uh, that Rick Alverson directed, wonderful director. He did a movie called Entertainment just before that. Uh, this is with me and and uh, Ty Sheridan, who stars in Ready Player One. Yeah, Speaking but I, of the next I heard he movie. was really good in that. He's fantastic. He was in a I Terry Malick movie early on and a Jeff Nichols movie, Joe and Mud. Um, he's a, he's 20 years old now. He's from Austin. He's a spectacular person and a spectacular actor. It's him and me and uh, Udo Kier, an actor whom we, yeah. some people may know. Oh, yeah. And uh, Denis Lavon, this French actor who's in some unusual arty movies who's in it it's going to be an unusual movie i'm excited about that but uh yeah. and you've never worked with pacino hmm? no pacino I've never worked i've met him de niro i've never well mr de niro and i had a scene together that we the movie was shelved we rehearsed it for a moment uh called bogart slept here but uh no we never worked together All right. so what are you gonna what are you gonna learn in this incarnation of you as a dad with these two small kids. Well, what life lessons have you learned so far? That's a very good question. Well, you're a dad too. Yeah. Um, I'm earlier on in the process. I feel like it was so far away now. Being, having the two tiny kids again. I, I can't, it, it seems like it was a hundred years ago. Well, I'm so moved and touched. It opens up my heart, you know, and system. I think that's part of it. And I've learned how 
wonderful my wife is, if I didn't know it before. She was an athlete, but by the way, she was in the Olympics for Canada. She was a rhythmic gymnast. Seriously? Oh, yeah. She was the Pan American champion that year. She was the best rhythmic gymnast. You married a Canadian Olympic rhythmic gymnast. Yes, I did. Amazing. And then she learned after her competition ended, she learned Cirque du Soleil kind of aerial stuff. And that's what she does now. And when I met her, she doubled Emma Stone for La La Land. She did that aerial dancing outside the... The planetarium in that scene. Wow. She does stuff like that. Anyway, I've seen her in a different way since we've had kids. She's a deeply wonderful person and mother, and she's just fantastic. Um, I'm opened up in ways that I haven't been before. I was just, oh, I know. Oh, yesterday I saw you. It's a far along, before, uh, long ago for you. But I saw the younger one, River Joe, take, his first like step really uh, yesterday. He's been pulling himself up. Right. And kind They want it to happen so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Although I like this approach where you don't rush them or put them in a position where they they, they figure it out on their own. That's how they learn. You're not teaching them anything. But like this table right here. They'd be like, yeah. But he pull he put and he's so excited and he's so he makes these screeches. This morning they were singing together or making these screeches together. The two kids that were just fantastic, thrilling. But yesterday when he started to like hold on with one hand and kinda you know, do a little walking. I got choked up. Yeah. It's just, they're just fantastic. You know, I found this old computer I had with all these pictures from when my kids were tiny. And it honestly, I was like, Oh my God. Like, oh my God. And I dropped Charlie off at school today. And sometimes I, I drop him off. And sometimes, you know, the teacher says, you know, so you want to give uh, dad a hug? And yesterday he said, no, I'm okay. Cause he was already involved with, you know, but he's, he's, we're in a very good, he, we, 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 we adore each other these days. Um, and I hope that continues. But today I dropped him off and he, um, and he, uh, said, okay, you want to give dad a hug? He was across the room. He ran, ran to me into my arms. We hugged for more than five seconds and yeah. I, I kissed him. And then, and then teacher Sarah said something else to me. He went back. And then before I left, he ran back and gave me a second hug. Oh. You know, I know this That's may great. sound boring. Or That's great when they modeling. unconditionally love you. It was just fantastic. Yeah. Just fantastic. It definitely shifts 10 years later. Yeah. Huh? They love they love you. My daughter loves me, but she's also like, there's a there's an angle half the time. Oh, it changes later, oh. yeah. Oh, you want me to drive you to the Grove? Okay. I see. Oh, I, well, I see what you're They are very pure at this point. They're yeah. just pure. They're so pure when they're little. Lovers and, you know, and of course, they have every color emotionally in the rainbow. He's sort of unhappy sometimes about his younger brother and hits him and, you know, and gets, you know, mad at us, you know. So you're going to like these pre-K Little uh, soirees yeah. and like the end of the year singing thing where they'd put them all out and they pr- try to sing. They're doing that stuff. I haven't done the a little season. events. Haven't the done parent it. events. Well, they're yes, yes. It's coming. I'm just telling you, it's it's yeah. in your future. Okay, man, you like him? What do you think? Yeah, it's good. It'll just be funny for you because you'll have the couple of uh, parents like, "Hey, yeah. man, Jeff Goldblum, how are you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hey. okay. Everybody, it's a it's a common denominator yeah. lowering, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's a, it's a conversation starter. It's yeah, a conversation. I mean, yeah, maybe I'm in the movies, but the kids. What do we think about our kids? Yeah. And how how are you doing with the sleeping or the pooping or whatever? And it's just great. You know, well, you gotta you gotta butter those people up. The mayor of Hollywood. Your term's coming up soon. Uh-huh. 2018. Uh, okay. You got to run for re-election. I'm not running for every anything. <laughs> no, I'm I'm out of office. Uh, thanks for coming on. Iowa Dogs. It seems like you're proud of this one. 
I'm oh, I'm thrilled. I'm actually no kidding around. Just very proud to be any little part of this. It's a masterpiece. It's one of the great movies, I believe, in the continuum of art cinema. And um, I had a delicious experience on it, and I love all these people on it. But to be part of a movie like this is a very lucky, uh, proud making thing. Yep. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate Thank you so it. It was much. really fun. My pleasure. It was fun. Thanks to ZipRecruiter, the smartest. Way to hire my listeners can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to my dad for coming on. Don't forget to check out his Twitter, Dr. Bill Simmons, 1947. Don't forget to check out Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Me and House are on there. The Shack House podcast presented by Callaway. House and I are going on there Thursday. We're covering the Masters all week. My Instagram, SPTGUI33 and uh, at Ringer. We will be uh, posting whatever we can from Augusta. It's, you can't bring your phones anywhere. They're very, very, very particular about that. But we will try to have some good stuff. We'll try to have some meals and all that stuff. Check that out. And we'll be back at least one more time on this podcast and then on the other ones uh, as well. Shout out to Nephew Kyle. Until the next time.